sitting back, relaxing, and talking sports with the guys. Hey, we're just men doing manly things. Light up a cigar and have a brew with the starting lineups Tyler Ivins and Eric Kane. For the next 60 minutes, it's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal. Well, happy holidays. Welcome back into the Gentleman's Hour podcast. Radio WNML.com that has since changed to 991DSportsAnimal.com. Google Play, Apple Podcasts. I'm really glad you said happy holidays because I have a Jewish friend who listens to the program. He would have been really offended had you not said, you know, Hanukkah to our friends out there, Kwanzaa. Yeah, happy holidays. Uh, that just covers everything. It covers everything. That covers all the columns. Better, uh, better be safe than sorry. What I always say, am I right? Chandler Emerson here today. Mr. John Stansels, we're back at Barley's here in the Old City. It's been a minute since we've been here at Barley's. We've had some uh, in-studio podcasts of late, but uh, glad to get the band back together and out here in the sun on a, on a nice day. You have cleverly chosen a very sunny, beautiful day. Slight chill, but that's good. Slight chill. It's all right. It's, it's a little chilly in, uh, in April baseball, too. I'm going to tell you right now. Yes, boys. it is. I always made the jokes when we'd be sitting on the patio here at Barley's about the sun and how it's always a beautiful day. That continues now despite the calendar reading December. I'm going to tell you, man, we were just making jokes about Vegas before we hit record on the podcast for this Thursday. If we keep hitting 7s and 11s, I'd say let it ride. Let it ride. <laughs> Let's keep right? it going. Keep it going for sure. Happy holidays, you guys. Hopefully you got fat on the turkey. I probably need to go home today and actually clean out my fridge because I'm being. It's now it's a week ago today that we were having the bird. I don't know if uh, turkey sitting in gravy for a week will still be good in the microwave. Two things I want to address. Um, you can either put it in the garbage disposal or give it to your golden retriever. Murphy feed, hopes the latter. Feed it to the neighbor's cat. We don't. We actually have a neighbor's cat, and Murphy puts his nose in my armpit at 2 a.m. every morning like, oh, Dad, i got to go potty. No, you don't. You want to run that cat out of the backyard. Then it looks like a – looks like a Odie uh, – what was the cat? Uh, Garfield. Garfield. Garfield and Odie thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I loaded up on the uh, I loaded up on the to go to containers and everything. I hadn't touched it. It's a week later, so I, I think that's the plan for tonight. Is the to dump it in the microwave, here. invite the girlfriend over, and be like, "Ta-da! Taste this! Taste this! It's delicious." Also, a lot of salt, a lot of pepper, though. Also, ham or turkey. The, the people, if anyone at this table, I know you, I know you. Anyone at this table likes ham over turkey on Thanksgiving? I still like you, but I might I might not respect you much anymore. I don't know. Are we warm-blooded? Are we Americans? I don't I, know. I think you've got to have turkey present. Ham is a better taste. The dressing is everything if the turkey never showed up. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with, with Emerson here. I'm equal opportunity. So if you have both, I'll take both. But See, if I have to ham pick, is turkey. Like a, ham's like an Easter thing, I feel like. Christmas. See, we have turkey on Christmas, too. No, but now you're the weird guy. <laughs> Yeah, so you can have ham just on a on on any 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 occasion type deal. I don't know. I there was a a lot. There was you know the great debate over Thanksgiving, two K nineteen, ham or turkey. There's a lot of things. Also, again, I had two Thanksgiving dinners or lunches, whatever you want to call it, meals on Thanksgiving last Thursday. You carved up. Say what you want to say. Well, you know, and so what I did was to prepare. um, I didn't eat it all that day, and so I went and I got one plate. Sure. At the first one, one plate. And I was like, I'm gonna, you know, and it was three hours later. So it's like I'll eat one plate now. I won't go back for extras, and I'll be fine for the next one. I was still stuffed for the next one, so I didn't even get to eat that second meal. Sure. So I feel like I really wasted opportunities. Because I didn't go all out at all. I kind of wasted this Thanksgiving meal. Hey, quick question. Seeing that we're past Thanksgiving now, and we're 
20 days away until Chris Kringle himself has been down our chimneys or, I don't know, maybe you don't have a chimney so you leave your front door open. Can I provide you guys with gifts today? The answer for this obviously has to be yes. Chandler Emerson joining us, so this is a party of four. If I was to buy you guys a gift today, would you accept it? Now, you can decline if you'd like, but it would just really hurt my feelings. I'll take it. Bullet bourbon. Are you serious? Well, that's what you got me for Christmas. That's 100% what I'm doing is I'm buying everybody around a drink. Emerson? Nod your head in agreement? Yeah. Gentlemen, I'm going to need you to hold the podcast down for about two minutes. I'm going to go grab Jamie, and we will have – uh-oh, is Jamie walking up behind me right now? Nope, she's not. She's not? Okay, I'll go grab Jamie. I'll be right back. Good effort. That sounds fun. He almost had that ESPN and knew she was coming. Almost. Chandler, grab the mic. Suit up here. How was your Thanksgiving in Tullahoma? Uh, Thanksgiving in Teleco Plains was great. Got to see the family. See a little agriculture, I could say. Agriculture? (laughs) You know, you still are in East Tennessee. Just great scenery all around. Uh, so uh, Jamie's joining us here from Barlow's. Jamie, what I decided to do was buy my fellow gentleman here a beverage as a Christmas present this year. So, Jamie, hello. Hello. Jamie, where are you from again? <laughs> Michigan. Michigan. So you can kind of hear the northern in her, Michigan. Go ahead. Like, give us, give us the town or city you're from. Port Huron, Michigan. How far is that from the Canadian border? About 40 minutes. You, uh, you like your little hockey? A little hockey. A little Will Snipe Selly, yeah? Yeah. For the boys' furta? Boys, Ferta. Okay, so I'm like I'm, I'm actually yeah, trying to talk in hockey terms. No, it's hockey terms. You don't know what hockey is. So what we'll do is I just want it all on my tab. Gentlemen, if you have a microphone, please let Jamie know what you would like. One glass, and it's all on me. Mr. Stansel, gentlemen first. To Jamison Neat, please. Jamison Neat. And now, Jamie, quick question. Yes, sir. Is it hockey or hockey? It's hockey. Okay. <laughs> that long A, man. I love it. Hack. I love it. Uh, Eric Kane, what would your beverage order be? I-, I would like some bullet bourbon, please. Yeah, yeah. Chandler Emerson. Well, I'm, I'm actually going to do a. Uh, would you get Sansel? Make it too neat, please. Thank you, Jamie. Chandler, what are you getting? A little bullet bourbon. Actually, my first time. Two bullets with ice and two Jamesons neat. So rocks and neat. I guess we know who's got more header on our chest We're here. playing musical microphones here today. It's what happens when you have four, four guys. My three apologies. Mics. You know what? No, That's no, it's fine. good. No, no, keep it on. Keep you on. know what? I'll, I'll set the topic right now because yeah. <laughs> we're celebrating not only because the holidays are here and Christmas is around the corner, but, boys, I'm going to go ahead and just let it, you know right now, especially the listeners, and based on the podcast numbers that were just provided two weeks ago by Vince Ferrara, you clearly are listening. I'm going to say these podcasts as of late have been very – Negative. And what I mean by negative is it's just we haven't – hear me out. Hear me out. We haven't had a lot of positivity leading, to talk about. I mean, we're talking about one in four starts, and can they turn things around in a matchup against Mississippi roots. State? Can they Jeez. turn things around? We actually did the podcast from the roof. Stansel was there. Canner was there. And then you had the South Carolinas. You have the Kentuckys. You had the big win against UAB. And then, boys, we're sitting here days ahead of the bowl announcement – and the volunteers are seven and five. We got to talk about suspensions. We got to about talk about uh, possible last games for certain guys who are underclassmen who could leave early for the NFL draft. So let's go ahead and just say what we want to say right now. We all knew they were going to finish seven and five. Accurate. They just got a, got a little crazy to get to seven and five. Uh, 
look, boys, we could sit here and do the whole what if they beat Georgia, what if they beat BYU. Who's to say they finished seven and five if they didn't need the kick in the seat that they needed when they started one and four after that Georgia loss? Yeah, and uh, here's here's something that I uh, spoke on on the Eric Ains show on Tuesday. And, uh, I, you know, not taking anything away from this team, this coaching staff, because of the turnaround, I mean, you had to have good leadership. You got to have some guys in that locker room to turn things around. Um, there's been a little bit it's, – it's not going to happen. Don't hear me wrong. Sure. Right. There's been a little bit of chatter about Jeremy Pruitt. Where would he rank in the, you know, coach of the year you know, for the SEC ranks? Anyway, it's Orgeron, okay? Um, I think Mark Stoops should get a lot of run as well. Coach O, who, by the way, is a win away from being the number one in the college football playoff, and if they're not yeah. – then we know the system's broken. Dan Mullen out of the 10-win season. But point being, what Jeremy Pruitt did, 1-4, and four, finishing 7-5, and five, yes. a great turnaround. Um, my thing is, you still can't forget let – me, let me play Debbie Downer here. You still can't forget how the season started. Like that Georgia State and BYU loss still – it still happened. So I'll never forget 8-31-19. It's one of the worst losses in yeah. Tennessee football history. I think a lot of people were like, like almost thinking like that, that never happened because you could have two wins more and there would be nine wins on the season, of course. But – um, you know, it doesn't take away from the turnaround, but, oh, here come the drinks. I did. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. Oh, thank you. So you don't say buggy, you say shopping cart? Up there in Jeff City, they say buggy, don't they? We say buggy. I say everything else correctly. We'll get back on topic of that. I say pillow. I say milk. Tyler, is it Caribbean or Caribbean? It's the Pirates of the Caribbean. And they probably what is the actual proper way. I don't. I don't know. Well, Disney pronounces it Caribbean, but I like being different. For example, little girl, it's October thirty first. I may have made homemade caramel apples. Would you like a caramel, caramel. apple? It's not caramel. Caramel. It's caramel. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not caramel apples. It's, it's not car- caramel. caramel. Well, okay. Well, then here's where you're going to absolutely just throw we'll me against the wall. Football in a second. Keep going. What is that delicious pie that usually gets served on Thanksgiving? It's oh, you got me the other way. Here it comes. It's pecan. It's not. You pecan. Want, you don't want that pecan? No, you got to hold it out. It's it's pecan. It's pecan pie. Oh, so you got to hold the pea. It's a pecan. No, well, there's pumpkin pie. That's it's delicious, pecan. but pe- it's called pecan. It, pecan pie, not not pecan. No, no, pie. hang on, John. I'd love to hear from you. It is pecan. Among my people, what? we say pecan. Ask around South Georgia where there are actually pecan yeah. trees, pecan orchards. Pecan, it is pecan ordeal. If you say pecan, you ain't from around here. <laughs> let's, let's blame my old man for being up north. Sorry, I'm Snapchatting right now. No, no. What? Whatever, it, however you pronounce it, it's really easy to pronounce this. Jacksonville, Tampa. I hope to God not Nashville. I'm sorry. There's so much momentum for this Tennessee football program right now, and they have to end up in Nashville, Tennessee on I Sunday. I would. Pull on conclusion: Tennessee's going to be in Jacksonville. And what? And how so? Funny thing, you're talking about bowls, and you hope it's not. Think back three weeks. Tennessee would have said Just any go. bowl, bowl in West Knoxville. Heck, we're going yeah. where you've <laughs> got to have malaria shots. I'm going. <laughs> now it's all changed. They can play at the old Bill Myers Stadium site where I played high school baseball where I need a tetanus shot to squat behind the plate for seven innings. Listen, and give credit to Tennessee staff and players. And, again, I'll, I'll say it again. I mean, the turnaround was incredible to even be having this conversation, the luxury sure. of going bowling. Um, but now here we are. And so seven and five. You're right. Let's go back to the very beginning when we set the topic. You said seven and five. You and I were completely identical, I do believe. 
uh, with our preseason predictions. The only thing that we were different on when we were different South on. South Carolina Mississippi State. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you said that they were going to beat Carolina, and I said they were going to beat Mississippi yeah. State. Yeah. So we had the same wins except one game. We had the same results of the end-season record. It's just – and I believe you had a solid argument of, hey, it's got to be Carolina because you want to pop Will Muschamp. And, and if I recall, and me was – you better beat Will. You better beat Joe Moorhead because, because two-year, second-year head coach programs are in the same circumstance. Because at the beginning of the season, you were looking at a four-game losing streak of Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama. It was the gauntlet. And then during the season, you're looking at you better beat Mississippi State. You're going one and six. Right. Oh, and I so, heard it when I was yeah. on that roof. Trust me, yeah. it was. And so, but we both got to seven and five. Yeah. And uh, here we are, and you know this team is going bowling. And so, uh, status quo. You know, here, here we are in year number two. Jeremy Pruitt was sure. five and seven. Uh, both years almost mirror identical towards the last three weeks of the season, being five and five, and how you finished. Tennessee flipped the script from 2018 and won the last two games against Missouri and Vanderbilt to finish seven and five. How would you evaluate Jeremy Pruitt year two uh, in this uh, in this journey here as Tennessee's head coach? Yeah, that's actually it's a it's a great place to really start the conversation. It's a good question. You're actually becoming a radio professional in front of me Thank in you. my Thank eyes, you. day in and day out. Thank you. <sighs> I think if it wasn't for some of the other coaches in the SEC. Sorry, sidebar. Blake Marizic, one of the guys they sent to get him, Blake Taylor, a second-round pick in 2013, was in the Ike Davis trade. He was a K-Met after three Tommy Johns. Are you really trying to bring up the Jake Marizic trade to me? Yes. He was a K-Met in 2017 after three Tommy Johns, and now I think he's. I think he was in AAA last year. Blake Taylor, man, best of luck. Go ahead. Aaron Kane's showing where one of his former stops used to be before he got called up to the big leagues, the WNML. <laughs> um, this is what I'll say about Jeremy Pruitt. He has surrounded himself with coaches and personnel who have helped him win. I'll go back to where he was last year. There were a lot of people who looked at Tyson Hilton as the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, and they said, Tyson? We're bringing you in to be the OC. You're going to run this offense, and we're going to pay you $1.1 million. And Tyson Hilton said, okay. I'll be there. Done. See you then. During the offseason, people talked to Pruitt and said, you're a head coach now. You don't have to me, me, me. I control everything. It's okay to give other people, other coaches responsibilities. You just focus on being the head coach. And you know what? You still want to sprinkle around on the defense? We won't blame you for it. Hell, we encourage it. What did they do? They made two large splashes in the offseason. You go pay Jim Chaney to bring him back to Knoxville <laughs> and take him away from Georgia. A big splash. Huge splash. Yeah, whatever, whatever he says on the bills on the scale when he steps on it. <laughs> hey, dude, it. right after Chaney got back, he was having a couple brews at a certain place, Cockadoodle Do, there yeah, off of Paper uh, Mill. Uh-huh, yeah. And me and Coach Chaney did a little dance when I was trying to walk out to my Uber, and let's just say he can do the electric, the electric slide. The guy's <laughs> got some moves for big guy. And then you have to go out, and this was the one where I wasn't sure if it was going to be successful. You go grab Derek Ansley, who was the secondary's coach in the NFL with the Raiders, and everybody said, why would Derek Ansley leave the NFL to come and recruit on the college level? I mean, the money has to be essentially a wash, and if it's not a wash, it can't be that much more than what he could have potentially made with John Gruden with the Raiders. With that title being D.C., that probably got Oh, wait, more. that's right. You're giving him the title of defensive coordinator. Now, you can have the title, but then other people still make the calls. So not only did we see Jer- uh, Jeremy Pruitt essentially give up offensive coordinator position to somebody who he could trust, maybe Fulmer came in and said, hey, look, we'll handle this, you handle that. But in some way, shape, or form, he also gave the reins over to Ansley to coach the defense. 
In the beginning, it didn't look like it was going to work out. Garantano was regressing. The defense wasn't healthy, and they were out of position. Players for a little bit. Lante Taylor, Bryce Thompson got into a little bit of trouble. So it looked like that you were having to force Warren Burrell in. You have Jeremy Banks in the linebacker position who has his situation with an unpaid parking ticket. It got messy really quick. And Jeremy Pruitt could have crumbled under the pressure of the media who was wanting to know more about what was happening with his program. You had the fan base very frustrated with how things started because you have a monumental loss like Georgia State. National media. Hell, you have – I apologize. National media. You're absolutely right. Clarification is key there. And then you have – why when you you conclude. And then you have the unfortunate events of how the fourth quarter and overtimes, times, plural, played out against BYU – and you just thought once you started in an 0-2 hole with still Florida, Georgia, and that gauntlet to come, that it was going to be insurmountable odds. In my opinion, there have only been two coaches this year, based on what they've had to work with, who have had better successful seasons. One of them is going to be playing for a national championship. The other one is Dan Mullen, who has now had back-to-back 10-win seasons. i got to give a lot of credit to Mark Stoops, too. What he <clears> – <throat> did mid-season with the injuries of Terry Wilson. I think that's fair. You know, and then, and then the injury to Sawyer Smith. Essentially taking – you saw Sal Duell do it here on the local scale at the five-star preps. Excuse me, at the prep level 5A classification. <laughs> Shout out Jesse Smithy. When taking Elijah Young and putting him at quarterback. That's what Lynn Bowden Jr. did and won some games. Um, you know, bowl eligible, seven wins. So, But you're, you're exactly right. I, I brought up the, the national media thing because uh, Marcus Tatum, one of two offensive linemen that have entered the transfer portal since the conclusion of the season, he along with Ryan Johnson, he had a really good exit interview with uh, David Ubbin of The Athletic. I don't know if you've read that. Um, really good stuff. And essentially one of the questions were asked, like, you know, things got dark at some points this season. How did you push through? Da, 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 da. And he was like, listen, you know, we're here. We're in the trenches. And oh, yeah, we're great. Thank you so much. He was like, we um, – you know, the, the media is taking so many shots at Jeremy Pruitt and all this stuff. And he's like, let me clarify, it's the national media because you guys, the beat reporters, are here every day. You guys know what's going on. And so that that, that, that was kind of, you know, when we see Good a for Marcus people, Tatum. Yeah, you know, when Good we for see a lot him. of people weighing in from the outside, it's like, okay, I hear you. You've got the name, you've got the image, and you've got the platform. Let me add to that when you're done. But you're not here in the trenches every single day, so you don't actually know. I think Marcus Tatum did a really good job of understanding what his role was when he first got here. I think Marcus Tatum learned whenever – he weighed 240 when he got here. I think, well, I think, I think Marcus, Marcus Tatum at the beginning of the year understood when you have Wanye Morris and you have Darnell Wright coming in, you have a future NFLer and Trey Smith and Brandon Kennedy on that line. He appeared in all 12 games this year. Started the first he two. had to start in the first couple yeah. of games, two, three games there, and waiting for Darnell Wright to be ready to play. You know what? Good for him wanting to find playing time elsewhere. But you know what? How often last year did we hear about offensive line depth issues? And that was a huge concern, especially late in the season. You know what? You need more people on your team like Marcus Tatum who can give you those second team reps. But you know what? Still leave with a glowing report about the program who, you know, some people would have animosity about, man, how come you didn't give me enough time? I didn't get enough playing time. Good for Marcus Tatum, man. Both both, both he and Ron Johnson. Hold your chin up. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good interview. It's at The Athletic. You want to go read it, David Ubbin. Does a great job. I actually joined Sports 180 on our station every Wednesday from like one to two. Um, but you know, the offensive line overall, Tennessee still cannot run the football, and that irks me because that's what Jeremy Pruitt wants to do. And that's I'm the an, biggest surprise. I, I, this year. I'm an old-fashioned SEC guy, I like running the football. Tennessee still can sit. And I know, here Eric we are. Gray, yeah, they ran, Eric Gray ran for 246 yards. What? Eric Gray, 94 yarder. 
Yeah. Yeah, and a 56-yarder. Yeah, but finally against Vanderbilt. But where was Eric Gray's total going into the Vandy game was like 212 on the year, and he breaks off for 246 Eric in one Gray game. had – Memphis made? 200 – no, Eric Gray had 37 more yards last Saturday than he did the entire season combined. Yeah. Let that sink in. That was a hell of a game. Hell of a game. It's so funny that Emerson brings up the Memphis ties because – Next week, baby. There were two guys – that stood out for their teams that Saturday, who had they continued with their original commitment, probably could have helped Michigan out in that big game against Ohio State. Eric Gray being one of them, who remember at one point in time verbaled, left, came, stayed in state. That second guy that Michigan thought they had all but wrapped up, just needed to ink the dry, Najee Harris and Saban came in and grabbed him. Yeah. They lost, but look what Najee Harris did in a, oh, yeah. a three-point loss at Auburn for Bama. Yeah, oh God, the Iron Ball. I was in the press box. I had Tennessee in the EmeraldCoastClassic.com stream, which was horrible. I tweeted this, and again, I'll say it again. Shout out CN Athletics. The live stream a Division II school does is ten times better than that crap we saw online of Tennessee. Two two top twenty-five teams playing. You can't You're going to hear from their people because they listen to this podcast. Oh, do they? Oh, good. Call me on my direct line. Uh, but I had that stream going on. I had the Iron Ball going on. I had. Tennessee Vanderbilt going on in front of me. Anyway, get back to what I was going to say. The the offensive line still can't run the football as much as you'd like to like to be effectively and, and consistently. Sure. But night and day, pass protection. This offensive line was great at protecting Garantano last year. Remember, we always talked about how he's broken, how he's taken a beating, how there's no depth. Tennessee didn't suffer a catastrophic loss on the offensive line this year, but Darnell Wright missed three games. Karon Calvert was banged up. Riley Locklear had a concussion a little bit. Wanya Morris had shoulder issues. Jameer Johnson stepped in. Uh, Jerome Carvin stepped in. Uh, Karon Calvert stepped in. You know, who, whoever it may be, Tennessee had depth this year, to your point, and that's something that the last, really, since you've been back, Tennessee's not had on the offensive line. But case in point now, you're losing two of those guys to the transfer portal. And can you hope that Jackson Lampley, can you hope that Chris Ogperogene, Cooper Mays coming in, can fill those voids for next year? And maybe that has a little bit to do with the fact that why some of these guys are leaving and transferring. Yeah. Because they know, oh, hell, if I'm not getting the time now, what makes me think I'm going to have a chance when some of these higher scouted and, like, and touted guys, guys have come played in? A lot. Ryan Johnson started every game last year. Started the first two games at guard. Or you already know how guard. I feel about Ryan Johnson. Yeah, you love Ryan, and he's a great guy. And I love talking to Ryan Johnson. Solid interview with the media every uh, time. Certain person would say, uh, big Ryan Johnson fan. <laughs> I'm a huge Ryan Johnson fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everything he does away from the football field, philanthropy, everything, he's just an incredible what, guy. What do you think these guys, what's the market like for these guys? I mean, are we going straight power five here, or do you think uh, a Tatum who's still not that big could go, you know? I'm not going to sit here and act like that I know what they're what, – Drew what, Richmond, former five-star, went to USC. That's the thing, though. And he'll be in the league next See, year. See, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. All fans are just laughing. That's the thing about it. Drew Richmond is a – I don't want to call him a specimen because he struggled here, but the, once you get tagged with those stars, those stars don't leave you while you're still on the college level yeah. because there's some coach out there who goes, they couldn't unlock the success at that program in that city, but that five-star success can be unlocked here. And, frankly, if you go and look at his numbers this year, Drew Richmond, didn't play that bad this year for USC. Drew, Drew Richmond played yeah. middle school basketball with him. Yeah, and how'd that fare for so, you? Choose 9 Here I am with the podcast with you boys. Yeah, and he's getting ready to get a couple seven-figure deals. Hey, I'm still better off. You know, it, it, you know, healthy life, feeling good. Emerson takes a drag. If I didn't know you, yeah, look at it. I just want to. I just want to let you know that uh, your sarcasm does not go unnoticed. But you know what? Good tidings to you. Merry Christmas. I appreciate it. Yeah. Happy holidays.
Sure. What's uh, I don't. Uh, last time I checked, uh, Drew Richmond was over there dealing with a possible coaching search for his teammates next year. You're just having a whiskey and a cigar in Knoxville. <laughs> How about that? Reports swirling Sunday. Clay Hill now. Clay Hill now. There were two Pat coaches Forty this year. Says these reports are false. People were attacking Pat Forty. Tennessee fans don't like Pat Forty. I understand that. And well, lo and behold, comes out tomorrow or yesterday. Clay Hilton's returning in 2020. If you told me right now, Ivans, I need your million-dollar guaranteed lock of the year of who the coach is who's going to be dismissed, guaranteed by the end of the year. First one would have been Derek Mason. And then you were like, you know what? Let's say Mer- Mason doesn't hit. I'll give you a mulligan. Who's the second one? I was, oh, Clay Hilton. Ofer. Clay. Clay Ofer. Clay it's like Hilton. a to-the-window weekend, baby. Clay, Clay, <laughs> Clay Hilton was my pick the entire year he's still keeping that seat warm for urban i'm convinced he's still keeping it warm yeah you say that till he's the dallas cowboys coach in week one just like every other hot naven coach right now man like I love lincoln riley ryan day too. we all have them i mean it, I, i've been thinking about this lately and this is not a shot at you because i know i have i have had hot t- well not really hot i've had takes that have just gone south in a hurry yeah. we all do it boy now he was injured a little bit but boy your boy your boy, your quarterback, little Adrian Martinez. Oh, did, dude, that was – but hang on. Didn't quite live up. But hang on. If you told me that there was a – I still like him here, though. Let's say you say – let's say, for example, you came to me at the beginning of the year and you laid out every single player in college football. long shot. And you said to me, Ivans, I'm telling you right now, guaranteed, that a guy on this list with greater than 75 to 1 odds is going to win the Heisman this year. Who's it going to be? And I grin. Now, you've already told me it's guaranteed to be somebody with greater odds than 75 to 1. So I've already cut the list off for anybody who has higher odds. And I'm just looking at the names. I would have said Adrian Martinez with Scott Frost in Nebraska. It ended up not being a 75 to 1 odd guy. Who's it going to end up being? Oh, the guy who had 100 to 1 odds in Joe Burrow. Well, Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman. He was 100 to 1 odds. They're guys that are flashing off their tickets, cover up the barcode that they bought in Vegas. Some guy's got a thousand. Okay. You can be the biggest homer you want. Who in God's name is taking $1,000 of their hard-earned money and saying, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to throw a – I'm going to buy a 100-to-1 odds ticket on Burrow winning the Heisman this yeah, year because Joe Brady's his coordinator. Not this guy. Horse malarkey is what that is. But guess what? Good on you because you're going to cash it. It's like some of the people who bought those Washington Nationals World Series tickets when they were 40-to-1 at the beginning of the year, 45-to-1. When they were 17 and 31 in the first part of May. Until the end of May, excuse me. Yeah. Can you believe that? But, um, you know, hey, Adrian, Scott Frost got a two-year extension after a one-win improvement. Everybody can make fun of that. I'm telling you right now that no, 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 he'll no. be Adrian, fine. No, he'll be fine. Adrian Martinez is a player, and I wish he was I, I wish he was a Tennessee. Yeah, he was a Tennessee commit. When Butch got fired, he left. And, um, boy, he would have been great to watch here. Yeah. I mean, think of all the quarterback. You know, give give credit to Jared Garantano. Turn the season around. Second half Garantano. Um, you know, did some things. You know, the Missouri game, a couple of SEC Player of the Week honors. Anyway, Adrian Martinez was here. I mean, it's just point blank. He is the best guy on the football field every single time. I've watched two of Martinez's games this year, and very rarely have I seen him make mental mistakes on his own. What was, he, what was hurting him this year? He was, he was a little hurt, wasn't he? Me. Yeah. He tried to make too many plays by himself because his offensive line had him running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. And it might not be SEC guys chasing you, but guess what? Some of those linebackers in the Big Ten are still getting top ten picks in the NFL, <laughs> and they big, can put a hurting on you if they get a hold of you. Big, big, big Ten's pretty pretty good. Don't say that too that. loud. Don't say that too loud. SEC fans might get not, not disputing that. But Jeremy Pruitt on track. I, I wouldn't say exceeding expectations at all. Um, on track, you're feeling good. I, I tell you what, Tyler, this 20 20- 19 class has been great. Um, 
You you got what you'd expect out of your two five-star tackles. You know, Darnell Wright would have started eight games this year if he wasn't hurt. Uh, and they struggled. Don't get me wrong. Darnell Wright won you more. But they're, they're 18 years old. They Thank struggled you. a little bit. Thank you for naming the age. You can say freshman, but sometimes yeah. it's like, ah, it's college. But no. then you go, they're 18 years old. Going up against 21, 22 They were hitting 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds okay. last year in but high school. they still held their own, and they, they played a – Obviously, a significant role. Uh, Darnell Wright had a passing grade for me the first game he played. Wanye Morris, I want to know how well he did. Despite the fact that Gary Tano got benched because of poor play, the way I saw Wanye Morris handle himself in the swamp that third game, I was like, this guy's going to be fine in the SEC. Darnell, I mean, they both struggled a little. Darnell Wright had a really sour, really, really rough game in Tuscaloosa, but that's, that's Alabama. I mean, you know, hey, say what you want, but that's like the worst it's game. Distracted by the awesome light back. show they have. Pulveris Crouch, I thought, stepped in and did some things this year. Early on, Roman Harrison played. Roman Harrison got a sack against Vanderbilt. I was like, who got that sack? Bro? Wow, I hadn't seen him since midseason. Jalen McCullough started numerous games. Uh, you know, Warren Burrell came on hot, but got injury plagued a little bit. I could go on and on. This class made a significant impact. So Jeremy Pruitt trying to duplicate. I'm going to hammer you a little bit. Okay. You've literally brought up. Every newcomer on this football team, except Henry Tuotuo, except the one Save. guy who has probably been the, the if there Save was the a best rookie freshman of year of the award, award of the year. Oh, you mean the guy that started every single game in middle linebacker for Tennessee, the guy that called the defense his first two collegiate games in the absence of Daniel Petuli, the guy that made a huge third down stop at Missouri in the fourth quarter. That guy, that guy that had a twisted knee, came back in, played the last quarter against Kentucky to preserve the win. Yeah, Henry Tuolo. I, 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 I am very anxious to see what four years of college a, football in the SEC does. I'm a bit of a kid. fanboy of, Dan, of uh, Henry Tuolo. You know what, boy. though? Uh, there are quite a few people in Knoxville that share that. I have been. They I share can. they share those sentiments, too. And it's funny, too, because, man, he is 18. He is a, he's a child. Like, we go to these media availabilities, and, like, someone will ask him a question. He'll just, like, <laughs> like just, just laugh and be I – mean, he looks like a child. He's not even grown yet. And that dude's got Maybe it's the baby face, no facial hair. Yeah. That's what it is. You look at it, you're like, God, you're 18 years old. Dude hasn't even finished growing yet. He's already got the instincts. He's got, obviously, the smarts. I mean, this class, led by Henry Tuolto, is phenomenal. Now, is this 2020 class going to be as good? No, because you don't have booking five-star tackles. You just don't. No. And Tennessee's probably not probably not going to be getting – probably not going to reel in any five-star. You're going to – number of four-stars, a hefty dose of four-stars. And there's some guys coming that are going to come Tennessee's way that I'm pretty confident come December 18th that are going to ink and, you know, come come to the big orange. But uh, you need to duplicate that class. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I think I think this upward trajectory that Jeremy Pruitt's on, it's, it's going. I really do. I'm sitting here thinking to myself – how many of those four-star guys might get classified and get an upgrade before they get here? I don't want to sit there and put unrealistic expectations on some of these kids because I think that the scouting departments for a lot of those guys scout 24-7 rivals. They do a very, very good job. They hardly miss. Yeah. Very rarely do you see somebody who's like, oh, this guy's a five-star. And you're yeah, like, he's a two-star. We, uh, we take pride in our work. Okay, point is, though, there aren't too many guys out there who are like, <laughs> like J.J. Watt, like, two-star like guy who'll never have a future. Yeah. The, the days of missing on the J.J. Watts and et cetera, is, those are long and gone. Yes. And maybe one of them will slip through the cracks, and it's just like, yeah, you're right, we missed the boat on him. I'll be surprised to see if some of these guys – Harrison Bailey's the one that comes to mind, and I know you're talking about the, the, a bunch of four-stars. I'm just keeping an eye on Harrison Bailey week by week. There are some places like ESPN that think, oh, he's closer to a five-star. Others who are like, no, he's clearly a four. I want to see how those classifications work out before the early signing period. We're two weeks away from tomorrow yeah. being – uh, the earliest, the start of the early signing period, 
a name to keep an eye on. And this is not a Henry Tuolo um, type deal because last year we had to keep an eye on him, and he finally signed. There's a linebacker in Nevada. I've talked to him a couple times with my work for uh, for VolQuest. He is a two star. They have him listed as a safety. He's going to be a linebacker. He's going to be an inside linebacker. He's six foot two, two thirty. Okay. Um, he's only listed as a two star. That guy, I've watched his game tape. I've watched his his huddle highlights. I've talked to him a couple of times. I think that guy could turn into a player. He's not visit. He's going to be visiting Knoxville here in the next week or so. He was supposed to go to the Vanderbilt game, but his team actually played for a state title that weekend, so he was kind of obligated. How dare he stay back and compete for a yeah. state title than not but, visit during the Little Brother week? And that's another thing. Like we see all the wrath of social media. Like, oh, just a two star. What's Jeremy Pruitt doing? He's got his own scale. Okay. Like, guys like that. Guys like – I talked to a guy in San Diego, California, who has not received one SEC offer until Monday when T. Martin went to his school and offered him. And I talked to him and said, man, I'm blown away. I'm so surprised. I didn't think I'd get an SEC offer, but I know I can play. I know I can play at Tennessee. Five-star hearts. Five-star hearts, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I've never been a recruiting guy, but since I've started working in a little bit, I'm getting kind of anxious for early signing. Can I, can I give you that title now? Yeah. The recruiting guy? Recruiting guy? Yeah. I'm going to be real. I'm getting sick and tired of being called Roof Guy. So I'm going to start calling you uh, Recruiting Guy. That's hey, Recruiting Guy, tell me more about those two stars. <laughs> and also, Will said it was a couple weeks ago. Will was like, yeah, if you're if you're follow the player on Twitter, God, it's kind of weird, which I agree with. I don't follow the player. But when I when I post stories, I tag them. Because most of those guys so have more So it's wrong to mention somebody on Twitter if they cost if they, you know, something happens during a game? Oh, no. It, oh, well, then I need to delete that tweet to the Villanova forward who could hit a second at the back end of a two of a two shots that could have given me a win instead of a push last night. Thanks a lot, guy who is still in my drafts. Kidding. Or am I? Yeah, I've never been a uh, never been a tag player when they're performing bad type guy. I've never been a follow the player. But I will tweet the – I will include the player in my tweet when I tweet out a story about him. But uh, I just I found that funny the other day. Will was like, "Yeah, if you tweet and add, add, add players in your tweets, you're just a loser." I'm like, "Dude, I agree with you, man." But then he looked at me, he's like, "Well, you have to do it now, don't you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." You think Allen Robinson will reply to me tonight if he doesn't get me two touchdowns on Thursday night football against probably the not. Cowboys? Some of these guys will though, but probably not Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson from Penn State doesn't seem like the type of guy who cares too much about what the old dirty Murphys are doing in the first round of the fantasy <laughs> what the playoffs. The old dirty Murphys are yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be real with you. I've got to make some changes in my fantasy life because. The last two years. Better get on it now, dog. Last two years, I've done three teams. I just, it's with my skill, it's just too much. It's too much, and I've lost track, and it's awful. I used to live for fantasy football. I'm gonna have to go back to one team next year, maybe two. That's that's my biggest problem. I I love fantasy football, and I'm like, I get mad if I'm not included in leagues, and then I get in the league, but it's just and I don't much. touch it for the whole year. Bingo. It's too much, man. Bingo. It's you gotta set a number. Up until two years ago, I was in five leagues every year. And you know what happened? By week eight, all my teams started looking the same, and they were producing the same way. Exactly. So I told myself after 17, we're going to three, and those three leagues have to mean something to me. And guess what? You have the Gentlemen's League that's been blowing and going for a decade. They won't let me out of the Iowa League because, well, there's Iowa ties there. And I made a bad mistake of joining the Smoky Cigar League, and I will – it's funny. No, here's the best part about it, and I mean no disrespect because it doesn't matter what sex organs you have, you still know what a good football player is. I went 11-2 and two this year and lost to the same chick twice. <laughs> Deb, I'm going to give it to you next time I see it, and I don't mean give it to you that way. That's BS that you continue to find a way to get DJ Moore in the end zone every damn time we play. Dude, I had Cam Newton as my quarterback for like Go. 
you know, a couple years. I, I how'd that work out for you? You're in and you're, not this year, but you're in and you're out. Thankfully, um, I've had go high on those skill players, and maybe you run into a Kyler Murray, get you twenty a game. I found I found a way to have Cam Newton and Philip Rivers on my on my roster on one of my teams every Dude. single year. Do you get a free AARP application with <laughs> Philip Rivers? No, 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 not this year. Oh, Philip Rivers has been a solid fantasy guy. Uh, future future quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, Philip Rivers. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, Mr. Uh, Bolo. Bolo. That's Bolo tie. I should ask you. Him and a seven kids. Huge, huge Bolo tie guy. Huge guy. I, we're all over the place, and that's fine. Can we talk about Ryan Tannehill real quick? What about Mary Goda? If you promise me, we'll get to Jawan Jennings and the suspension before the end of the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, tell me more about say his name. Ryan Tannehill. Say it one more time. Ryan Tannehill. And a third time. Ryan Tannehill. Thank you for not calling him Ryan Tannehill. It drives me nuts when there's people out there who miss – like, if it's Garantano, uh, Garantano, Garantano, whatever. But Ryan Tannehill has been called Ryan Tannehill since he got out of A&M. There's someone we work with that calls him Ryan Tannehill. Have you ever worked with somebody who you're like, oh, my God, I've been saying it wrong the entire time. Yeah. And then you go and, like, go on YouTube and, like, hear a report. And you're like, why did I just fake myself out for 20 minutes when yep. you clearly know how to pronounce his name? Yep. Ryan Tannehill is 5-1. It's not like his name's Chris Arakapogane. The Tennessee Titans. And yeah. uh, you're t- – you're, you're, your Tennessee Titans are seven and five, two games left against the Houston Texans and the Saints. So I'm not saying uh, it's still it's still out of the playoffs as of, as of today. But I got to cool. Man, I'll just take the under this weekend in Oakland. I think Derrick Henry is severely underrated. If you look, he's led the league in rushing the last 18 games. Last 18 games, he's led the entire league. I'm sorry, you think Derrick Henry is underrated? I think, I think Derrick Henry is a little underrated. We all he's finally starting to click. I mean, is he producing like many people thought they were going to when they drafted him? Sure, but. Career expectations to this point, that's what you mean? Yes. December of last year is when he started coming on, and he's not let up since. Call it what it is, the Jacksonville Thursday night game. Yep, yep, yep. You score four touchdowns in a game against Jacksonville, and I don't have any signal at the Midland Mine trying to watch the stretch show, and I'm like, who cares? He's not going to blow up. We'll just leave Leonard Fournette in my lineup. 99 yards On the contrary, four touchdowns in one game. Yeah. Derrick Henry, when it gets cold, he gets hot every year. The ability to run the football at a high rate has helped Ryan Tannehill out tremendously. I, that offense is clicking, and that defense has been fine for most of the year. I mean, it was a top ten defense. It was a top. It was a top five defense yeah. for the first six seven uh, games of the year. Your defense can take you to the yeah. Super Bowl. It's your offense um, that needs to be so, more consistent. I don't know. I mean, long term, long term, it's not Ryan Tannehill. I know that, and you know, I'm, it, Tennessee's going to fool around. They're going to finish with a, 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 a an eight and eight record. That's just how it always right. is. Um, but it's been fun the last couple of weeks. Say what it is about Ryan Tannehill. Right. This is what the Titans need to do. If the Titans can find a way to get Ryan Tannehill to sign a incentive late of contract where it's not going to cost them a lot of money up front and it can keep them away from some of those luxury tax payroll restrictions, why wouldn't Ryan Tannehill take a deal next year to stay in a system he's familiar with in a town that clearly loves their team? And I can tell you one thing. Look at some of the offensive numbers with the guys that are on that team for the Titans. I think John New Smith likes seeing them. A.J. Brown, if Corey Davis was healthy for a full year. Adam Humphreys clearly loves him. What's up, sleeper in a PPR league if you need somebody to be your wide receiver three or flex? Mr. Two catches, one touchdown, 13 yards, but he finds the end zone. Again, flex, number three. I'm not asking for We're not all blessed with an opportunity to, and this isn't me trying to pimp my team, but we're not all blessed with an opportunity to have a starting three of Tyree Kill, Michael Thomas, and Chris Godwin. All right, so. Who's that third one? Chris Godwin. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, hear you. I just he's my he's, he's my your flex for a reason. Yeah. If he can get you eleven to thirteen points, guess what? He did his job. 
One trip to the end zone, two catches, 10 yards. Guess what? I'm going to take my 9-6. I'll take my 10-3 every day. All right. I'm done with Tennessee Titans talk. I just wanted to talk about my team. Why? That's your future playoff bound, Tennessee Titans. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Two against the Texans, one against the Saints. We'll see. All right. You should go ahead and tell me right now on the podcast so we actually have evidence of it that when the Titans sweep the Texans both games (laughs) the last four weeks, you have to give me a bottle of whiskey for Christmas. If the Titans sweep the Texans, I will buy you a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, but we got to add the parameters to how big the bottle is. By the way, if you're wondering, I'm a size handle, 750 milliliters. <laughs> so, i let you know. Big gulps, huh? Big gulp. Uh, Crown Royal handle, huge big gulps guy. Catch you later. Can I uh, mention my Eagles real quick? We have time. Go ahead. Awful time. Need the hey, Cowboys good- to lose tonight. Have to have them lose I was say tonight. That, that was a real good showing uh, against the Dolphins. Last yeah, week. yeah, gr- great defense, honestly. Really want uh, Jim Schwartz out. Get him out. Just, just close, close up shop. Come Dude. second quarter on Sunday. Let's it's be the worst team in the that NFL. That NFC East. Trash. Boy. Dude. Boy. Dude. Say what Ooh. you will about it. It's week 14 in your Monday night football game this week is New York Philly. <laughs> like, I get where ratings are at, but ESPN, can we, can we not live in a world now, ESPN, as I do my Stewie head tilt? <laughs> Brian, can, Brian, can we not live in a world now where ESPN flexes better Monday night football games? Carson Wentz, go. Is he that? No. Carson Wentz, whose knee is being held together by <laughs> bubble yum and duct tape. How about we're going to get off this? How about says you? the 33-year-old guy who's sitting over here at 240 pounds like, eh, give me the pigskin. I'll rock it. <laughs> I can score. How about Nick Foles being benched for Gardner Minshew again? <laughs> That's so tough. You know what Nick Foles says? What, what, what he did for your team. Oh, no, he, it was incredible. I love him. He's a man of God, too. Don't laugh. You know what I say if I'm Nick Foles? Guaranteed but, money, Super Bowl ring. And I guess I'm playing professional football in Jacksonville. Like, I get it. It's Duval, but it's still the state of Florida, the yeah. east side state of Florida. And uh, it is what it is. All right. Let's, let's quit talking about that trashy Jaguars club. Juwan Jennings. The incident at the end of the game, towards the end of the game, uh, made a tackle on special teams. Looked kind of late, but as you went back and, and – and I went back and watched it. I didn't zoom in or anything, but it looked like it was late to me. You said you zoomed in and you saw he was still on bounds. So I slowed it down on ESPN Plus yeah. because there were a lot of people who were like, that should have been a flag. And I'm like, I clearly watched it from my seat in the press box down through the glass. I didn't look at it on SEC Network. See, I was in Because the... by that time, they had flipped to the Florida game. So that's all we had. Remember, they had the delay. Yeah. They had flipped to the Florida-Florida State game on SEC I Network. I went downstairs to set up everything in the media room right, right as it went to delay. And so I had to watch the – I wasn't going to go outside in the rain. So I, was gonna, I watched it on the uh, so television. So when I first saw it, I was like, oh, and add 15 to it. And the official was right there on top of it. I was like, why is he not throwing the flag? It's very clear he hit him out of bounds. I said, I know the officials want to get out of the stadium, but there's no way you just blatantly miss 15 yards. So what did I do? Sunday morning, went back, fired up at ESPN Plus, rewatched it, fast forward to that play, and when they slowed it down, he is making the move to go out of bounds, but at the same time he turns his shoulders to go out of bounds, Jawan hits him. It's a bang bang play where the official could have thrown the flag. Not mad that he didn't. And if Vandy went fans went back or Vandy coaching staff went back, they're gonna watch it in their field room and go, you know what? That was a bang bang play. Now, granted, he's a he's a tenth of a second early or late, I should say, for Jawan. Oh, that's fifteen more. Yeah, yeah. So they slide on that tarp because it is on the sideline because it is so wet. They scuffle up a little bit. Jawan's on top of them. They're tangled up, scuffled up a little bit. Gets up. Jawan steps on the dude's head. All right. There's no way in watching it in real time, watching it on replay, watching it on television, whatever. There's no way of determining if Jawan Jennings did that intentionally or not. There's just, there's no way, in my opinion. There's no way of determining 
if that was intentional or not. But it did happen. Juwan stepped on dude's head. It did happen. All right? So everyone's going to Juwan after the game, yada, yada. Four days later, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, the SEC comes out and says, all right, Jennings, you're suspended for the first half of your bowl game. Evie, like if you told me three things were going to happen in Tennessee evening, football tied to Tennessee, Jawan Jennings being the third of the three, I would have said no chance. The first is Shiano's little poke. The second is Tatum entering the transfer portal. Yeah. And it's like, by the way, here's your third helping of Tennessee news. Jawan's not playing the first 30 in the bowl game. And so we can dive into it, but first of all, my, and I know you and I are on the same wavelength here, but first initial thing is like, you know, if if the if the SEC would have suspended him for the entire bowl game, I would have said, okay, I understand why. If the SEC didn't suspend him at all, I would say, okay, I understand why. The fact that the Southeastern Conference and Greg Sankey suspended Juwan Jennings for a half a play, I think is laughable. I think it's embarrassing. I think it shows a lack of leadership. I think it's just, uh, I think it's a wash. I really do. Like, he did it intentionally or he didn't right. do it. Let him play. Let him not play. Don't do this half shit. It, it's just, it's ridiculous to me. It's, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. As I already mentioned numerous times this morning, and I'll just bring it to light here, you are put in a position where you cannot appease everybody. Yeah. All right? You can't. You're in a position of power where you have to make easy decisions and tough decisions. Making everybody happy where it's, well, I don't know if he did it intentionally, but I understand you're mad, Vanderbilt, so... I'll meet you in the middle and just say he gets a half. No, like if you Especially are, when there have been other incidents throughout the SEC since week one that make you go, yes. how? And, here's the, and, and all, Tennessee fans are going in on Cash Daniel, and, and rightfully so. I hear you. Like What he did to Kyle Trask, inexcusable. I mean, cut him for the year, don't yeah. let him play. I mean, that, right. that's, that's horrific. That's awful. But just because he didn't get suspended for that doesn't mean that it's automatically, oh, what you want? Juwan can't because he didn't. Like it's two separate incidents. You see the Georgia yeah. Georgia Tech fight last week, yeah, and it's yeah, it, that was blatant. How can you even compare the two based on the punishment the that's handed down? Unfortunately, you can't play that game. If we're being honest here, and I see, you, buddy, thanks for coming by. Hey, t- tell the listeners bye. Uh, bye, WML. Sorry, gotta go. Uh, get ready for this giveaway tonight. Have fun. He is a I company will, man. I'll shake your I hand. Will be there. Do me a favor. Watch that hand when you're done. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna sit this one out. We'll see. You. Um, if we're being honest about it, though, and I'm not saying Juwan Jennings did this intentionally because yep. I don't – no one knows. Sure. But Tennessee fans should be – and I say – I'm not trying to put in a group here. I mean, fans of the volunteers should be happy that he's going to play a half a ball because very easily Greg Sankey could have been like, okay, you're gone for the entire – Somebody sent entire me a, t- a tweet after the show was over and was just like, you're going to think this is just me griping and yelling at a cloud. He's like, my son is a huge Jawan Jennings fan, and he doesn't know this, but for Christmas, I'm taking the family to whatever vacation destination it is. I kill two birds with one stone. Wife gets the beach. Son gets to see Jawan Jennings one more time. Yeah. He goes, had Jawan been cut or been suspended for the entire game, pretty good chance that we would have been like, we're sitting this one out. So we're going down there just to watch 15 play one last game, game, but at least he's going to get a second half to see him. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's it's kind of annoying to me because – you can't act like nothing happened. He stepped sure. on the guy's face. Um, you can't sit here and say definitively he didn't mean to do it or he did mean to do it because you don't know. Right. There's no way of knowing by judging video. Now, Greg Sankey might know. Jeremy Pruitt might know. We don't know. know who he talked to. Yeah. We don't know what phone interviews yeah. he did. You don't know what well, investigating he did. But we, as the casual fan and media personnel, we don't know. I just think the whole getting suspended half a game right. is just really embarrassing on the half, on the behalf of the SEC. Phil Former came out, made a statement, said, hey, Greg Sankey did what he thought 
he needed to do. Fulmer's got to play nice with the commissioner as the AD. We had many conversations. We accept the suspension. We'll honor it. But he did say Juwan has been nothing but outstanding and a great sure. person for this program. That's a good statement. I mean, you know, what else are you going to say? It is what it is now. It's unfortunate. You know, If you're Juwan right now, and I get where everybody's coming from, you have a future in the NFL. People talk about bowl games that have not a lot on the line. This might be a bowl game where three years from now we're chastising it, kind of like Butch Jones in the Tax Slayer Bowl. Sweet. Glad you got your Outback Bowl ring. Hashtag be the balloon if they go to Tampa. Glad you got your Tax Slayer Gator Bowl ring again. It is what it is. you think Jeremy Pruitt will give out T-shirts and rings if they win the Tax Slayer Bowl? They'll get rings because that's what kids want, the bling. But trust me, they're not going to be showing up to the Volskers going, yeah, I'll take a photo with you and show off a Gator Bowl ring if they do beat Phil and the Blake Big Ten team. Look at my 8-4 and accomplishment. Anyway, um, we can talk more. Juwan Time out. When you were at Carson Newman, did you guys win your conference or division? Uh, we actually did not win. Four years. Carson Newman's won. I'm not making a dig. What I'm trying times. to say is, had he, let's say you and Ken Sparks, let's no, say your team with Ken Sparks won, would Sparks have gotten thing, you guys like a Carson, what? What conference are you guys in again? The South Atlantic Conference. So you guys wouldn't have got a sacked ring. And here's the thing: Carson Newman won so many times that Ken Sparks never gave him anything. It seems kind of rough, but yeah. But we never won it, so I don't know personally, but I'm pretty sure he never gave rings or anything. Even for, like, a national championship? Oh, for a national championship, absolutely. Right, because that's because his yeah. expectation levels were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But not for a conference championship. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. because you guys had bigger fish to fry. Yeah. If, when Alabama plays in the Citrus Bowl, assumption, they're not going to be like, all right, guys, this is awesome. Can't wait for everybody to line up outside of Shields in Tuscaloosa for their Citrus Bowl championship shirts. Yeah. They're yeah, not going to exactly. be moving those to the front of the closet just, next to their BCS was, and college football playoff shirts. I was at Carson Newman when all that was going down. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, what a joke. What an absolute joke. But anyway, that's that's for another day. Real quick, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, there's been nothing said. David Oven of The Athletic did ask Trey Smith after the Vanderbilt game, has this been your last game for Tennessee? And he said, no, I haven't thought about that right now. Just focus on the bowl game. Which is the right answer. Tyler, if I'm Trey Smith, I'm not playing, and it sucks, but if I'm Trey Smith, I'm not playing another down for Tennessee. That means bowl game included. I'm not putting myself at risk whatsoever. See, no, see, uh, okay, if you're Trey Smith, yeah, you don't do it, I agree. Yeah, Trey Smith's going to play. Because I think Trey Smith is the type of player where he's just like – I wanted to come to this university. I'm a state of Tennessee guy. There's a reason why I stayed in state when a yep. lot of people were like, the number one overall recruit in the nation stayed in state and went to Tennessee. Yep. When Tennessee was still kind of the, uh, that's nasty, that why would you even touch yourself? They're contaminated program. I think Trey Smith understands, you know what? I'm going to go up. I'm going to play my heart. I'm going to do one more game. And Trey Smith, if they win or lose, he'll sit there. He'll do the Rocky Top. He'll probably lead the band. There'll be a lot of hugs with his teammates, but don't be very surprised if we find out days removed after they fly back from the state of Florida or wherever they're playing that Trey Smith announces that he's well, going mean, to enter his name I mean, in for the Vegas draft. If you're Trey, since This day, is the main reason why I'm going to Vegas, so I can say that I was there when Trey Smith got drafted. Yeah, there you go. Since day one, you've been a first-round NFL talent. Right. Um, and then you had the medical issues that's been very unfortunate. It caused you to miss a lot of time. Sure. But having come back, being on this medical plan, um, playing at that level you played at this year. I mean, the sucker was mauling people at Missouri and Kentucky. Right. had one of his best games ever. Um, the talent is obviously still there. But, I mean, it's it's going to be – you know, I would say – I don't know this for a fact, but I would say about half the NFL teams out there are probably just like, no, nah, I don't want to deal with that. And you can't really blame them. Yeah, because every it seems like every week you're going to have to go through yep. medicals. And, and so I think first Make round, that kind of investment in a player mm-hmm. where – on one snap, your investment and your draft strategy has gone up in smoke. Yeah. 
And, I mean, huge I'm, risk, I'm not but here huge looking reward. At, looking at mock drafts right now, um, I don't know how you start for fantasy way early on, but uh, I haven't looked at mock drafts. <laughs> I, know, I know CBS Sports put one out a couple uh, about 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 six weeks ago that had Trey Smith as a I want to say twenty second overall pick. But here's the thing: somebody will take a risk on him, much like the whole Tua conversation. But do you of, if the, he's healthy, do you think in the first round though? Because I don't. You know don't. what? I'm not. You, <laughs> I, you know what? I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, no, I do. I hope that happens. I think I some somebody like a New England or a Baltimore or a New Orleans or somebody who San Francisco, somebody who's going to have a low 20s, late first round, nights winding down pick will be like, here's our draft board. Damn, we've had to erase 11 names in the last 17 selections. Hey, Scout for the Southeastern Conference. Tell me more about this Smith Trey guy at Tennessee. Well, you know about him, but here's the big concern. Let me see his medical. <sighs> F it, let's let me roll see it. exactly what his medical records say during season. Because as we know, Trey Smith, he will, he will play in a game on Saturday. You know, practice, walk through whatever on Sunday or off day, whatever. Go back on medication on Sunday. Right. He will. You know, dress out in full pads. I mean, I was there and everything, but he did not do full contact and all that. He will practice, 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 not full contact, go off his blood thinners essentially Thursday, have a day to recoup on Friday, and then sure. play on Saturday. Then he'll do the whole process over again. And now, when you're looking at it in the NFL, I think that's fine because the NFL does not practice, to my knowledge, if I'm wrong, I mean, the, the majority of the NFL does not practice in full pads throughout the week. I mean, you're just – it's just – It's shells and shorts. Shells and shorts, yeah. Uh, now, training camp you do, but oh, yeah. that's about it. And so that's kind of the practice schedule that Trey Smith will be on in the NFL, so that's good for him. Um, there are some guys that are doing this in the NFL right now. One of them is a kicker. <laughs> that's a little bit different from an offensive guard. But um, Protecting your franchise quarterback and letting us know if you can dang a 41-yarder with seven seconds to go. Yeah, it's kind of night and day. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see, but uh, I hope the best for Trey Smith. I, uh, I I agree with you that Trey Smith is the type of guy that will want to finish out. Right. You know, we say finish out. He's not going to play senior year. I mean, that's pretty obvious. I mean, now, you talk about the shockers of all shockers. Now, would that have been as big as Manning was bigger? Don't get me wrong, but it's, you know, I was three years old. When Manning decided to come back to Tennessee, what was the thought? Was it just like, no, nah, he's Well, don't ask me this because I'm biased. What was the, what was the thought? Was it Manning's going to the NFL no matter what, and he shocked people coming back, or did did people have a pretty good understanding that he would not come back? I think people were pretty surprised. So pretty surprised. I would I would think so. I'll take the thirty seconds just to try to do this as a, a Tennessee fan and B as a Jets fan. And it was awesome to read that article last year because he is a credible writer for NFL, formerly of the New York Daily News. I'll just take you real quick back to where I was at the end of the 96 year going into 97. As a Jets fan, I remember my family being like, Ivans, this couldn't have worked out any better for you and your family because not only do you live in Tennessee as a Jets fan, you're going to get Peyton Manning as the number one pick in the NFL draft. The article came out about how that all went down. And essentially, Archie said it without saying it, that the plan for Peyton Manning was he was going to play three years at Tennessee. He did. Archie Manning had a big, strong, very, very great relationship with Bill Parcells. Archie Manning in this story essentially said all Bill Parcells had to do was give him and his family, that being the Mannings, an indication, a wink, a handshake, something that said, we're taking your kid number one overall, and Peyton would have been gone. And this article 
at the time, NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue, who was looking at the Jets and wasn't a big fan of Bill Parcells, sent him a letter and sat down with Parcells and said, if we sniff, if you breathe wrong, if we catch any wind that you are at this time, remember, if you're doing that tampering, you hear it a lot in the NBA, if we catch a whiff that you're tampering with a kid who's still in college, we are going to take your pick away from you. And the Jets, it was too, ba- it was too valuable for them at the time. Yeah. So Archie, which there's parts of the story where I'm just like, that can't be. You can't tell me Bill Parcells and Archie Manning didn't get together at a dinner somewhere and was just like, let me pick up this tab, Archie, in good faith that we'll take Manning number one overall. As a Jets fan, it was just like, man, it's catch-22. Either Manning comes out as a rookie and he's the starting quarterback of the Jets for the next 13 to 16 years, or I get to see the uh, Manning go back to Tennessee. And in my warped 10-year-old mind, I'm like, the Jets are going to suck so bad, they're going to get a second chance at Peyton the next year. <laughs> no, they went out and got O'Brien, and then they were just good enough to sniff the playoffs through 16 weeks. They had a mid-10 pick, and then the Colts go over there and take them. Yeah. So, for me, I was absolutely shocked. But, <coughs> excuse me, to me, I was winning either way. I just, yeah, I mean, I was, like I said, I was like three years old when that right. happened. Uh, if, if Troy Smith were to elect to come back to Tennessee, I would be floored. That would be the biggest shock. Maybe in my football life, maybe. Um, but I don't see that happening at all. Right. So, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But Ryan Johnson, Market Stadium, enters the transfer portal. Trey Smith is ready to uh, go for one final time for Tennessee in a bowl game. Tennessee will find out its bowl destination come Sunday or Monday. And, uh We'll talk about it next week. So, Jawan Jennings is going to miss a half of football. Again, I think it's kind of dumb. It's December, and there's eventful Tennessee news while we wait to find out where they're going to be bowling. Tennessee basketball. I was in attendance last night. Uh, 7-1 on the year. John Fulkerson is the third leading scorer on the team right now. Back-to-back games, and the incredible Folk is leading the way in scoring for the baller balls. got that flow, man. It's like like a special. It's not a headband. It's a hairband. Remember that. He's holding his hair back with a hairband. Lots and lots to talk about each and every week here on the Gentleman's Hour podcast. It is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Look at that. Just com. No problems whatsoever adjusting to the new URL name. We're being told if you still <laughs> type in Sports Radio WNML, you will be redirected. I do it all the time. But we yeah. would appreciate True the story. type in of 991 com. I love hashtag branding. Mr. Stancil, it's been fun catching back up and. Uh, Getting back out here on location. Very good to see you guys again and uh, all the frivolity that goes on at the Gentleman's Hour podcast. Tyler, thanks for the drinks. The three of us, sorry, Emerson, you're not here. The three of us, when we get together, big times had by all. Big times. I'm going to, what are those Russian dolls where they get smaller every time the you open them up? dolls. Okay, I'm going to bring you guys gifts where it starts with like a giant one you would get from like Dillard's, <laughs> and then you guys are going to open up like seven and be like, uh, thanks for the nail clippers, all the way down to the smallest box possible. Secret Santa, Gentleman's Hour. Things remembered. Themed coming up. I'm going to stop by and have your initials. I'm going to have them I'm gonna have like engraved into a nail file for you. Quick question. Yeah. What episode are we? Uh, no clue. I think okay. we're like on 40. Like We're in the 40s. We're in the 40s somewhere. We're in the 40s. I, you know, okay. I, I always used to know Because one of my buddies was like, can't believe they let you guys do a podcast in the 40s. And I showed him the numbers. He's like, well, damn, you get, I knew you were getting clicks from me. I didn't know. You. I was like, right? That's what I'm saying. It's good stuff. It's yeah. great content. I stopped numbering them like a month or two ago. I, I started naming them, which I should have done it's the entire like time. like Netflix. We don't need to know it's episode 30. Give me like what? Like, the one where Tyler buys booze. Yeah, that's what that title should be. <laughs> 
<laughs> same time, same place next week. It'll be a Thursday Gentlemen's Hour podcast right here from Barley's in the Old City. 99.1, thesportsanimal.com, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. With Tyler Robbins, he's at Tyler Robbins on Twitter. I am at underscore Kaner alongside at John underscore Stancil. Gentlemen's Hour podcast here on the Sports Animal. Bye-bye. Another Gentleman's Hour podcast is in the books with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivins and Eric Kaner. Chat with the guys on Twitter at Tyler Ivins and at underscore Kaner. It's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on the Sports Animal.